Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host, Pierce, alongside of my good co-hosts, Schmidt and Reagan. It's been a while. Um... Jimmy isn't here with us today, which sucks because I wanted to start off the podcast by making a, a joke about, you know, we're going to talk about a Toronto sports team and reality, we're actually going to talk about my Blue Jays and how they signed Kevin Kiermaier, but unfortunately I can't really, like, go far with that joke, so. It's still yeah. good, I mean, Blue Jays finally made a move. <laughs> yeah, he finally did something, holy, that, that, this, this MLB offseason has been super crazy to follow. Like, oh yeah, like, I, I barely kept up. With like that. what, four hundred million dollars, or like they have like a four hundred million dollar payroll. It's it's ridiculous. Like Degrom left, and it's like, all right, we'll get Verlander, we'll get pretty much everyone else. We'll resign ne- Nemo. Like, I'm pretty sure they, they, they. I'm blanking on what on whatever other signings and stuff they've done, but like they've done a lot. <laughs> then the the Phillies are like, yeah, we're gonna give three hundred million dollars to Trey Turner, and then. <laughs> And then San Diego gave like 300 million to Xander Boat. Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's, I've been like this past month, like, I honestly have not paid much attention to hockey outside of like checking just the scores and the Blackhawks games. Like, I've been playing so much MLB the show franchise mode, just like getting to learn all the players and stuff, all the teams and kind of their systems and the rules and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's been entertaining to watch and it's, it's just all, it's literally a different ball game. Like looking at all these, these crazy contracts and have the white Sox done anything yet. Not a damn thing. Uh, They signed a really bad pitcher and they're probably going (laughs) to sign a 40 year old DH, which they don't need. Oh, then they signed, they signed what's his name from San Diego. Mike. Yeah. He's not good. (laughs) Um, yeah, that, trust me, there's nothing noteworthy that the Sox have done this offseason, and that's pretty on par with how the Sox usually do stuff, because they're pretty cheap. Uh, uh, yeah, Reisendorf's got to hate him. Don't, not even going to sarcastically say that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, isn't he the owner of the – yeah, let's not uh, yeah. let's not open that can of worms. But <laughs> the Blue Jays, they, the only two moves they made, like they are kind of significant. Like they traded Teoscar Hernandez to Seattle, which I mean – Fine, you move them, but like you trade them to the team that beat you last year, and um, and I imagine they're gonna be, even though they're not in the same division, like there's a good chance they face each other again. And they did sign Kiermaier, like great defensive player from what I've seen, like a Golden Glove winner, but like not gonna provide of offense. Yeah, cannot hit. They do need left-handed hitters, which he is, but like. Yeah, he's not, gonna, not, he's really not really a hitter if he doesn't be, hit. Like, yeah, he's supposed to be, from what I saw, the fourth outfielder because, like, they still have Garrell Jr. They still have Springer, obviously. And I think Merrifield might go into right field. And there's a good chat. Like, they have so many catchers. Like, they have Kirk, Jansen, and Marino. And I imagine they're going to trade one of those to maybe get an outfielder or maybe even get a starting pitcher. Like, they're really the only – like elite starting pitcher out there that's still out there is Carlos Rodon. And I just, I, I don't think he's going to go to Toronto. 
And like that's definitely a thing in baseball where like yeah, Toronto the only Canadian team. I saw the story like Verlander was pretty close to signing with the Blue Jays last year, but uh, probably made the the right choice on account of he won the World Series and was like a Cy Young winner. But no, I'm re- I'm really curious to see what the Blue Jays do because from what I saw, like they. They signed, I think, Springer in January. Like, usually they make, from what I saw, like, they make their moves later on in the off season. So, and I, w- I would like to see them add, like, some more outfield depth. Like, from what I saw, like, Michael Brantley they might be looking at and maybe just kind of, like, another starting pitcher to help out Manoa and Gossman. But I'm, I'm really, I'm actually, like, really excited for the baseball season to start. Like, I'm actually, I'm really excited to see the Blue Jays for a full year because, like, they have a, they have an exciting young team and, I want to see Guerrero Jr. have like a bit of a bounce back year. Like I still think he was great last year, but like we that year before where he had like almost 50 home runs. Like you want to see him get to that level again. And Al Manoa was a Cy Young candidate. Like I'm just I'm excited to, to watch the Blue Jays, but they definitely they got they got some moves to make, especially if they're going to be uh, competing with the Astros. But I mean, which team in the AL can really compete with the Astros right now? But yeah, that's, yeah and then they got a. Yeah, the rich get richer. Like they just it's just the way it is in baseball. Mm-hmm. Well yeah, that's 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 all I really have to, to say about baseball. I just it's been fun watch following the off season and yeah. Um I got kind of on that note, like kind of just on the, the the topic of like all these big contracts. I like pulled up the uh, like a Wikipedia page of like the largest contracts in sport, like all sports, like across the world. So I include soccer and like most of the most of like the another in the top fifty. It's like all baseball players. Mm-hmm. Like Mike Mike it's Trout, a... yeah, Mike Trout has like a twelve year deal. He makes he signed four hundred twenty six point five million dollars, and he makes like a little over thirty five million a year. Mookie Betts is at number five. He makes like thirty point four million dollars a year. Aaron Judge signed that that big contract. By the way, that's boring. I wish I wish Judge would have gone to like San Diego or mm-hmm. somewhere else. But yeah, he signed for forty million dollars per year. Francisco Lindor with the Mets. Same with Tatis Jr. and the Padres. Harper signed that big contract with the Phillies and. Then, then like, the, basically, like the top fifteen is just all baseball players, and most of them are recently. So it's pretty crazy. But, anyways, let's talk about the Blackhawks. Remember when we started the season? They were like four two and zero, and we're like, are they good enough? Maybe not that bad. Are they not bad enough to tank? And no, they're bad enough. A couple months later, okay. They are riding a third string goalie. I will say that yeah. much before we get into it. Like. Mm-hmm. No stay lock for like a month and a half. Like Barazic's been in and out of the lineup. Like it's gonna be. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm, like, they're they're losing a lot, but I'm okay with right it. now. Like I really hope they find us like another goalie because you can only you can only do this so much long for Soderblom before they just just kills his confidence because they're they're really getting shelled as of late. So. He's playing so well. Dude. Yeah, that's the yeah, problem. He like he, they're only losing like three nothing, three one, three two stuff like that because he's. He's keeping them in games every night, and even the nights when he lets up five, like he let up five to Edmonton, and it's like, what do you expect? They're letting up two on ones to McDavid and Drysaitel. Like he, he's not going to save everything, but he's he's probably the brightest spot of the season outside of like maybe Max Domi. He's had a good, really good year. Um, like he's quietly got nineteen points in twenty five games and ten goals. Like that's a great start to the year for Domi. But um, 
Soderblom's definitely the most positive story on the team right now, considering they've lost like what seventeen of their last twenty or something. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like. Yeah, but like we expected this, and if we're being honest, it's probably for the better because like we're second last right now, and mm-hmm. if you finish second last, the lowest you can fall is four or five. If I, I think so. Yeah. Like you're gonna be in good shape to get like even if you don't get number one and get Connor Bedard, you're gonna be set up to get one of the one of the top four, one of the cream of the crop of this draft. And that's kind of what this team needs right now. Like, yeah, you'll get a pick in the twenties from Tampa. Your second's going to be good, but like, I, it's a tough pill to swallow, but this is kind of what we expected from the season. I don't know. Like, it's not that's this not, is what I don't the franchise wanna, needed. Yeah. I'm just glad it's not a bunch of ass kickings. Like they don't get shelled every no. night. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, they keep it competitive for as much as for the skill that they have. It's just there is a legitimate skill gap when they play good teams. Yeah, no, it's not there. <laughs> yeah, like Winnipeg is just like I was talking to my dad when we were watching the Winnipeg game. I was like, this is not the team. Like, they're it's like the worst team they could match up against. Like, they'll match oh, up Winnipeg well against teams like them in like what the three meetings, whatever it's been. I they've let up like seventeen sure. goals or something. Or no, uh, they've let up like fourteen goals in like yeah. three meetings, which is just. Crazy. Surprised isn't more, honestly. Right. They dropped a seven bomb, a five bomb, and then yeah. It's probably more actually. It's probably like fifteen. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like I don't know. Team's fine. Like I just it, I, at this point it just comes down to are they gonna wave? Like is Taves and Kane gonna wave their contracts? That's really, actually... that's really the big question now, because like and we've been saying this, like it's a it's a day to day process. Like just to at the beginning of the season for us, it's just like oh, enjoy the wins, and we'll <laughs> well they come in because it's going to be a long season. And now we're kind of getting to that that like lull in kind of in December, January, where things kind of seem to take forever. Like that initial excitement of the the season starting is gone. But then like once February March hits, that's really where we're going to start seeing like all the rumors of oh is King going to wave? Oh is Taze going to wave? So right, we're gonna we're not. It's only going to be a few months like it does seem like a while for now but it's going to fly by and those questions are eventually going to be answered and even if they don't wave i really do think this team has some legitimate options for like deadline selling like mm-hmm. obviously there's the domies and the athanasius and like jack johnson will probably get moved because you know someone will take a depth defenseman but like another guy who like might go under the radar if they want to move like someone to get actual picks like Taylor Radish is having a very good year yeah. and he's on a very good contract and you could definitely get a return for the him. guy they got like seven hundred grand yeah the guy they got from the Brandon Hagen deal and they're gonna try to get like another deal out of it. you could I mean like you got to get as many assets in that prospect pool as possible and you want to get some legitimate picks like I if Taves and Kane don't wave you got to start thinking about stuff like that because like I think Domi could get you a one. Like I, I, I think that like if the way he's playing right now, more, that's definitely in on the table. I think exactly. Like if he's if he's at like a sixty point pace and he's over fifty percent in the faceoff dot, he's gonna get a nice return. Uh, people will trade for Athens. You you want that kind of speed on your wings, like bottom six. You're probably get a second six. or third for Athens. I think yeah, like a third or something, which is fine. That's like it's, yeah. that they knew what they signed up for, and honestly, they proved to the rest of the league that they could still be. Middle six, top six contributors, mm-hmm. especially in Domi's case. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but besides that, it's just like a band of misfit toys. <laughs> kind of. Mitchell's been you're... Mitchell and Caleb Jones have had some flashes offensively. That is. But... I thought you were gonna bring up like McCabe and Murphy as potential options because I wonder if like 
again, these are these are guys that are in their 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 late twenties. By the time this team is good, they're probably going to be in their early to to mid thirties. Like Seth Jones, like he's in that same boat. He's a bit younger, but he's going to be here for the rebuild one because he's got a no movement clause, and I just don't think anyone is going to take that contract on. And just like looking at like the contract situation for the future, you kind of, you kind of are going to need that contract for a bit, at least for a few years, definitely. So might as well just no, keep Jones, like name him the captain, like again, let him let him be our Eric Johnson. And but McCabe and Murphy are are intriguing because there are teams that you know these aren't top pairing guys, but these are definitely guys that can play on your your second pairing and they can net a decent return. Like I've actually really been impressed with McCabe, especially with the injury issues he's had. Like when he's when he's that's always the key. When he's healthy, he's looked good, and I've like like. The way game he's played, he's defended well, and you see the kind of those flashes where he jumps in the rush and shows a bit of offense as well. So, I wonder if those are potentially guys that uh, the Blackhawks look at moving again. If you get the it's all it's always about the return, but uh, I wonder if those are kind of some players that maybe get a bit of get a bit of a discussion, or maybe that's more of an off season thing. Yeah, it it, it I. Don't they have trade protection too? Like I know Murphy's got like I, I know for a fact Murphy has like a. Uh, I don't think I don't think any of them have no movement clauses, but I think they have some kind mm-hmm. of like modified no trade clause. I, I know McCabe's got a seven team, and people think it's all Canada, which is funny to me. Um, but they could actually, like you said, like they have terms, so you could probably get a legitimate return for them. And I that might not be a move that happens this off season though. It might be next off season when like some of the kids are ready to come up on the back end and they need to clear some roster spots. And hey, like it's, and we, we talk about this. It's not all doom and gloom, but like, yeah, we might have to move the K because maybe someone like Isaac Phillips comes up and kind of takes that spot. Like maybe quick Kevin Korchinski surprises us and take like the, the left side of their defense in particular, like especially with their prospects, it's set for the future. I and mean, you kind of look at the right side if they just keep Jones and Murphy, like you're good. You can see where Mitchell is at, you know, if he stays on the team, if they keep him or not, like it allows Sam Renzo to develop. Like it's it's not all doom and gloom. Like most of what the Blackhawks prospects are doing has been pretty, uh, like, so what's the right word? But like it's you can be quite optimistic about what they're doing. Like Kevin Korchensky, from what I've seen, he's pretty much a lock to make a very, a very stacked Team Canada a World Junior roster. Like Ryan Green, like they have five five Blackhawks around the Canadian roster, like the 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 whatever it's called, like the camp roster. Like they have three defensemen: Korchensky, Allen, and Del Mastrom. From what I've seen, Korch, those three defensemen are pretty much a lock to play for that team, and then. Ryan Green and Colton Dock, they're kind of more of long shots, but when's the, la- when's the last time we've seen that? Like, there's so much, I feel like, so much to be optimistic about, and, like, Frank Nazar still hasn't played. It, you gotta got to play the long game with that, just make sure he gets healthy and make sure that he's good to go for next year if he doesn't play the rest of the season, because I don't know if, if he is, but... And again, like they're gonna, they're gonna probably get a top five pick, and even if they don't get first or even second overall, like there's a good chance they get like a Matt Bamich call for Leo Carlson because I feel like there is a bit of a cutoff after four, but like this, they're they're gonna get some good players, and we have that to look forward to at least. It's just really what happens in the next few months. Like, are Taze and King gonna stay? But that's gonna be the ultimate. Should I stay or should I? Yeah, go? that's literally what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I, I think Kane, like Kane, like 
I think I've said this before. But I think Kane is more likely to stay, or but if but if they do decide to move him, it'll be easier to move him. Jonathan Taves is definitely the more interesting one because he has a lot more to prove. And if you do move him, like, are there teams that are going to want to take on that contract? So. Kane, I, I'll, I won't be surprised if he, like, stays or even if he goes. It's just, like, Taves, it's, that's that's the one to really keep an eye on for me, at least. I really think Taves, if if he wants to get moved, someone's going to take him. I'm sorry. Like, if there's a way – like, we've Dude, seen how you can finagle. Dude, Winnipeg, Toronto, like, yeah. all these teams could use Taves right now. Like, Florida even, like – you could put them on any one of those teams and it would help. New York would be another one, both of them, for being honest. Like, glue Taves on the third line center on any of those teams. Carolina, even. Like, trust me, there's some, there's going to be spots for Taves to go if you, he wants to. You move. get desperate. Like, Tampa Bay paid two first round picks for Brian Hagel, albeit. Like, they paid a first for Barkley Goodrow. Yeah, they're One, the two, Tampa five. Bay Lightning, but like they're doing anything it takes to win. And if you're a team that's like looking at, like especially Colorado, they want to go for that repeat. Like that's definitely a team that could get taken. Andy Green got oh, traded for yeah. two seconds once upon a time. Trust me, yeah. something crazy could happen. So, <laughs> yeah. well, no, it's like really other than that, like. That stuff. I haven't really been paying much attention to hockey. Just neither. <laughs> it's been my life has been so busy, and I imagine you guys got stuff going on. But uh, and it's always that time of year that like December, January thing. It's just kind of like a malaise, a lull, and it's just like ugh. And like those first like kind of couple months have worn off. But like once you kind of get to, I feel February, March, like after that, that all star break, it's like, oh shit, that's when things kind of start to matter. There's like no more playing around. Like there's no more <laughs> of this all star stuff. Then we kind of start seeing the, the trade rumors trickle out. And then after that, it's like the who's going to make the playoffs. And then of course it's the static of playoffs and then draft and yada yada, so on. But. Yeah, that's kind of why just, like, life and all that – and the, those factors are kind of why, like, we haven't done the, the podcast for the past couple a couple weeks or so. So, um, yeah, there, I don't really know what much else there is to say about the Blackhawks. Like, I can't really see negative things. Like, we, we all expected this was going to happen. I, I don't know if you guys have any more closing thoughts on that, but – No, not really. Yeah. They suck, but not much else we they thought. Suck on, they suck on purpose. They don't suck on accident. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It would be one thing if we did it like last year where it was like we expected at least some improvement and they stuck. Like that's yeah. – it's one thing to be in a position like Columbus is in and then there's one thing to be in a position like we're in. Or even Anaheim because Anaheim bought. Like they bought in the offseason yeah, and Clemson, stuff, and, and that's not working out right now. No, like I'd much rather be in a position that we're in, where it's like, all right, well, the writing was on the wall of what the season was going to be, plain and simple. Um, mm-hmm. now if they stink again next year, like stink, stink next year, I'm gonna have a problem with that, unless yeah. like nothing is there again. But I just don't think you could do this approach two seasons in a row. This no. is the only season you should be scorched earth, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. That's about all we could say about them now. Just yeah. keep stacking up the L's and not looking like actual dog crap. Yeah, mm-hmm. stack up the L's, get the draft picks and prospects in there. And yeah, for Bedard's on like a 30-game point streak. <laughs> who is? 
Bedard's on like a 30 game point oh, streak or oh, something. I'm like, I'm like, who's on a 30 game point? I'm like, are we talking about Mitch Marner? I mean, right Mitch now? Marner will be in like yeah. a month if we if he keeps up what he's doing, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Connor Bedard, that 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 that, that fella's pretty good. Like Adam Vantilli, like I thought I really thought at the beginning of the year, like Connor Bedard is the clear cut number one. I still kind of think he is, but like Fantilli is definitely making it interesting and I can't wait to see where that's at and a few months because he's legitimately like putting one together one of the best NCAA seasons ever. Like, go to freshman, like, yeah. Jack Eichel in 2015, yeah. And I think Paul Korea back in the 90s, like, that's some pretty uh, decent company. company. Yeah. Like, he was, he's probably playing better than what Jonathan Taves did in his first year of college. And that, like, Jonathan Taves came in second, and second year. North Dakota. He was like, and he was just a pro, like already a pro. Like he was built like one, and he played like like had the two way game, like that one, like one face offs as well. And I think Adam Fantelli can kind of be in that similar mold. And if like if the Blackhawks get a top four pick, like if Leo Carlson falls to them, I know four nice you pick them, but like if number if like Matthew Mitchkoff drops to number four, I, I just feel that like you're at that point where there's a bit of a gap between the next prospect where you kind of should take that chance. But either way, they're going to they're gonna get a good player. They're going to have that second, first round pick. They're going to get another good player. Like, the Blackhawks need four prospects. This is definitely <laughs> the draft to get them, especially when you got three picks, like, or six picks. They're going to have three the picks in the top 35, basically. And so. that's right now. Like, they're probably going to add another couple before the... So you got to make them count. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, really all you need is just those first-round picks to hit, and if you can get, like, those second-round third guys just to kind of be depth contributors, then sometimes that's all you can ask for, but they really got to hit on the top end. And... That was kind of the same thing with last year's draft. Like, obviously, Nazar is injured, but there's still the talent there, and Korchinski has fit the part of a of a seventh overall pick, definitely. Anyways, enough about the Blackhawks. I want to talk about the Edmonton Oilers because <laughs> I think the last time we were on the podcast, like, they were kind of just meh. They're having another middling start, but they're kind of starting to come on. But... That's not really even the most interesting story to come out of Edmonton. Did you see the like the Jesse Puliarvi comments where he's just like, I feel like I don't belong here. It's just it's so difficult to see. And there's definitely I cannot stand the, the media Edmonton. There's definitely been like a look I'm probably even being kind here where they're like they're just like saying he doesn't fit here, like he needs to be traded. Like this has been going on for a while and then I'm just getting sick and tired of it. And you see like Mark Spector like tweeting us so like, oh Jesse Puliarvi said this. I'm like, yeah, no shit. You guys treat him horribly and uh, I don't know. And, and I see like the other comments, it's like, well, well, we they didn't talk to Yuri Curry and players like that in the nineteen eighties. Yeah, because they were winning freaking a Stanley Cup every year. They had like five Stanley Cups. Now that they're not doing well, like you're gonna you're treating players like Jesse Puliarvi like this. It's just it's sad to see and then Elliot Freeman goes out and says that he's probably going to get traded and the Oilers are kind of looking to see what they can get. So, I mean, I'm glad that the Oilers are winning, but it just, it sucks to see that from Jesse Puliarvi. And I also just hate that relationship was never going to work in hindsight. It didn't work as soon as Ken Holland got there. They, they mended that bridge for maybe a season and a half, but like they didn't get along from the jump and the GM's going to win that every time over the player. Unless the player puts up, like, McDavid numbers, then the player's going to win. But hopefully he can get a fresh start somewhere. 
like go to like I'd like to see him in like a Dallas or a Carolina or something. Dallas like, with all those friends like, a lot, yeah, make them feel. Yeah, like and them. Carolina's <laughs> got a bunch of them too. So yeah. like, just you know, somewhere where he can get the minutes he needs and gets the power play time he needs and get put in the spots where he could actually produce. And and teams will teams will give up something for him. Not a lot, yeah. but not a ton, but they will give up something. I mean, I remember, but the yeah, problem yeah. is the winger market seems kind of heavy. Like if Brock Besser's going to get flipped for like a fourth and a fifth or whatever. Oh my god, I saw that. I was like, because it, it was the that Borkstrand trade where you got like a third and a fourth, and you're like, what the hell? That's that's it, really. And then there's that comment. It's like, oh, they might get uh, like it might be similar to the, the like the Brock Besser trade might be similar to the Borkstrand trade. And I'm like, what a third and a fourth for Brock Besser, really? That's that's it. Oh, that's rough. Literally. Yeah, I, like, it's just, you, you look at his advanced stats, like, they're so good, and he doesn't really finish up to him. I don't know if he's ever going to be, like, a great finisher. No pun intended, but, like, you see players around the league where it's, like, they have great defensive stats, and, like, they're always driving play, but just never scored. I don't think, like, Pooley RV is probably going to be that that kind of player more in your middle six, but, like, he's still a guy that can play. And I remember just listening to the Steve Dangle podcast, and, like, what if he goes to Montreal and, like, Marty St. Louis can, like, find, like, get to him kind of how he did with Kirby Doc. And I thought that was interesting. But I just hope Pooley RV finds a home because what I see most Oilers fans do respect like Pooley RV like the ones that like actually look at Alex and stuff but like the media and whatnot just treat him terribly and I'm assuming that front office does as well so I just kind of wanted to, to rant on that but and it's also nice that the, the Oilers are winning games because you know Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are the best two best players in the world like I feel we don't talk enough how good McDavid is. I feel I bring that up every show, but that's, that's just he's how two good. points a game right now. Dude, he like... leads the league in goals, points, assists, and he's second in power play goals. It's fucking stupid. Like I, I feel we can't like wrap our heads around that. So that's why we can't like truly appreciate. We, it, we haven't seen scoring like this since the eighties. Literally. No. Like when Crosby and Ovechkin and all them, they were only getting like one ten. They weren't jumping out the gate like McDavid and Drysaddle are this year. And that's not, it's not even just them. Fucking, uh, Jason Robertson's got 42 points and he's second in goals. Tage Thompson, Thompson is fourth in points. That's ridiculous. David Posternock's having a fucking great year in a contract year. Um, and people just, like Crosby is still getting, Crosby's like, still field. amazing. He Dude, had three Crosby's points underrated. last night. Crosby's oh my like, God. Like, that yeah, I don't know how Crosby became underrated again. Like, this is insane. He's so – he is not – with all the injuries he's had. Like, he had a hernia last year. A sports hernia. Has to skip the beat. Like, he's incredible. From what I saw, he's, like, on pace for his second highest, uh, like, amount in career goals in his career. And then, like, second in points as well. Like, it's it's crazy. And this is a guy that's won, like, plenty of Rosses and I believe has won a Rocket as well. Like, he's a 50-goal story. That I do know. He's got enough hardware to fill like two rooms. Like, it's oh, crazy. he's one. He's one everything. <laughs> there is to win. Multiple times, which is what's even crazier. Like most guys are like, oh yeah, we've won. Like I got a gold medal. I got a Stanley Cup. Like no, he's got like two gold medals, three Stanley Cups, got a World Cup of Hockey gold. Like, yeah, jeez, he, he, he has at least a few hearts, like a few hearts. Rocket. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have a Selkie. Like I'm surprised he hasn't thrown that oh, in his arsenal. He was a finalist yeah. one year though. So was he? 
I, I, I want to say a couple so years ago he was finally definitely like he's, he's definitely improved his defensive game to a point where it's like you can have them and that's a consideration but that's what makes the great players so great like Crosby coming to the league obviously like this has been a guy that's been touted since he was 13 years old like he's been in the in the limelight like as long as I've been alive you know <laughs> like we've been mm-hmm. alive and he comes in the league I think he finished second up runner up to Ovechkin in the Calder trophy voting. And it's just like, Oh, well, he's too much of a cryberry baby. He doesn't play defense. And then like his, his like face-offs go up and it's like, Oh, but he doesn't shoot enough. He's more of a playmaker scores 50 goals. And it's like, Oh, he's not, not well-rounded. You know, he can't, you know, win those big games. He's more of a one hit wonder with the, with the Stanley cup. And then they went back to back. Like every time someone doubts Sidney Crosby, he like he just rises to the occasion and that's what makes not only like the great hockey players great but like the great athletes great is no matter how much you doubt them they're always gonna they're always gonna prove you wrong because they're just so special and talented and that's that's Sidney Crosby to a T there what what do we what do we say about Crosby the best grinder in hockey history it's true. Exactly. He no one like I was talking to I was talking to like my dad about this. It's like you you see defensemen shit themselves when McDavid's coming up the wing. As soon as that puck goes to the corner, defensemen shit themselves when they see Crosby. Because it's like, you're never getting that puck. You're oh, never yeah. getting that remember, puck. I don't care if you put three people on him. You're not getting that remember, puck. Yeah. Do you remember that clip where he's behind the net? I think it was against the Ottawa Senators in the playoffs. And he is just, like, going back and forth with Jason Spezza. It must have gone on for a minute. Then he passes the puck and, like, they score. I think the Penguins go ahead with, like, a few minutes left. And then they win that game. Like, <laughs> Crosby had like a statement goal last night. Like, oh, up to like one. When they're, when they're on the top of the pass. game, it's like impossible to stop them. And it's like, and it makes you wonder, like, all those years, like, the Penguins had those disappointing experts, exits. It's like they could have won more than three Stanley Cups, honestly. Right. It, It's like it, they, they had such a bad – stint for like five years like 2010 like 2010 and like 2015 like that was rough like i think they lost to the Habs in 2010 i mean whatever they won the cup the previous year then like 2011 i think they blew a a 3-1 series lead to tampa 2012 is like kind of the one where it's like oh are they gonna be able to do this anymore because they had that just embarrassing loss to to philadelphia and like it would have been different if they like play like a hard fought game like seven game series, but like Philadelphia, like knock them. Like, I don't know what the right word is, but like they completely like knock them off their play and didn't even make yeah. them focus. Rattle their game. 2013, they just got absolutely cursed on by the Bruins in the conference final. It's like, oh, geez. And then I think they blew another 3 1 lead to the Rangers and then they lost the Rangers and then. I remember, I think it was the start of the 15, 16 year. It was like they had a really rough start, but then they fire their head coach. Mike Sullivan comes in. They're like the hottest team down the stretch and they like easily cruise to the cup. Like they were so tough. Like as much as I like hate the Penguins, like the Penguins have kind of reached that stats for me. It's like, God damn it. I hate you so much, but I respect you. Like that 2016 mm-hmm. Penguins team was actually so much fun to watch because they were just so quick and dominant. It was. So they won a cup without Latang. Like, dude, they won. won a, a stellar cup. Top pairing, Ron Hainsey. Let's go. Yeah. 
Jesus. Like, I don't know how that team – they were just so dominant. And, like, oh, it's, it's the emergence of Gensel has been so huge for I that mean, team. I mean, for the like, Penguins, they won that year. Like, that's that's impressive that they won back-to-back cups like that. But, like, that's a crime to the other teams that couldn't beat the Penguins. Like, the Capitals that year, 2017, they they should have beat the Penguins. It was all Marc-Andre Fleury. Ottawa was a goal away. They were, Ottawa was a goal away, and then – Nashville was like Ryan Johansson away and a whistle away. They, they had another top two centers. And Pekka Rene not shooting the bed. Yeah. Yeah, Pekka Rene finally getting off his Linsanity run game one of the final. Jesus. Mm. Like, literally was the best goalie I've ever seen in the playoffs up until the Stanley Cup final. Slam the door shut, and then he, like, let in, like, five goals and, like, ten shots. In the God. Game. He, he yeah. didn't face a shot for 20 minutes, and the first shot he faced, he let in. Granted, it was, like, a breakaway to Gensel, but still. Yeah. Like... Oh, I remember that. That was brutal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and on the topic of, like, generational players, Alex Ovechkin, how does he not beat Gretzky's goal total at this point? Like, With he just needs to play distance. a few more seasons. He needs to stay healthy. And I think he, he's got it. Like, He'll have it by the end of the contract. Mm-hmm. 796 goals in 1,303 games. Like, I think he's only a few goals away from Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe has like a little over 800. I don't know exact amount, but definitely by the end of the season, he'll have... He's like 10, 30, 10 away. Yeah. Wow. But like... It's awesome. It's, it's such a, it's it's such just... a great, great era for hockey. Like, not only do we have all these young kids that are coming into the NHL and dominating, but like the still the the players of old are, are still on the top of their game as well. Maybe not quite as good as they used to be. Like they're still, but they're still producing offense. Like Ovechkin's there, Crosby there. Like even Eric Carlson, who was probably the best defenseman of last decade, or certainly right up there. Like he should have multiple Norris trophies at least. Like he's 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 having a great season as well. It's just you you look at the save percentage. Like the goaltending isn't as great, but I also feel like it's just a combination of the goaltending isn't as great. Same with like just playing defense and more teams. I think are, are we're slowly tilting towards more teams being a bit more risk averse and like actually playing like skilled forwards on the top instead of like oh we gotta balance it out with grinders and all that stuff, you know? Like, teams are starting to take more risks. We see we see teams using five forwards on a power play now. We see teams pulling their goalie with, like, more than five minutes left, you know? Like, we're <laughs> slowly but surely, like, hockey is so far behind the other sports, but, like, slowly but surely we're seeing these, like, developments where we're starting to make hockey more of a fun game. It's on the ice. I want to talk about Zidane O'Chara's comments on the 2011 Canucks. I saw this, I forget which show or, like, podcast he was on, but he was basically, so, for the 2011 Cup Finals, the Vancouver Canucks went up 2 nothing early on the Boston Bruins, they won the first two games, and Char was basically saying how, in, like, I think Game 3 and Game 4 in Boston, like, during the warm-ups, they were, like, practicing how you're gonna, how they were gonna lift the Stanley Cup, and, like, listen, like, I, re- I respect teams, players, athletes that, like, care about winning, you know, like, want to win because I feel like you don't get that far in your life without like having the mentality of going to win but at the same time if you can't if you go that far like if you do that in private whatever but like if you're doing that on a practice rink and you can't back that up and get and win a Stanley Cup at being up to nothing in the series like you deserve to lose that and I think Kevin Bieksa went back on the statements he was part of the 2011 Canucks 
And of course he's gonna, but I I totally believe that just sounds like something the 2011 Canucks would do because like when when they beat when they beat the Blackhawks that year and like it was basically that was basically their Stanley Cup right there and they made it all the way to the Cup final. And I was and I was cheering for the Canucks. I did want to see the Canucks win, but like back in hindsight, like the Canucks just kind of sounded like that team that was a little little too overconfident. Like the Bruins, that was kind of their their rallying point and. They obviously like won, and not only won that series, but like they they destroyed the Canucks. I think the the Canucks' only other win was one nothing in Game Five because Luongo like shut the door. But then there was that like Luongo comment is like, "Oh, I'm not here to pump his tires on Tim Thomas," and then like they get shut out in Game Seven at home. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... I, I I totally believe that the Canucks would have done that. And then there's like a another... team was full of a bunch of shitheads. Like just <laughs> I. Not a doubt in my mind. Sorry, that team was employing like Bexa and Kessler and all of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. I Girls, yeah Come on. Like, and also like, even if it's not true, I could believe Zidane Ochara lying about that. Zidane Ochara wasn't like a saint on the ice. We all no. know that. Like, I I really don't like. I believe all this shit. I'm be honest. Like, maybe there's not a lot of truth to what it was said, and like maybe yeah. it got stretched maybe a little. Things but are I little believe there was at some point they did. Yeah. That. Because they were very fucking cocky after game two. I remember that. Yeah, they were cocky. So I yeah, there's probably there's 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 definitely going to be exaggerations on both sides, but like I believe that was a thing. Like it's exactly, I agree. Like <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Let's just put it. That yeah, way. exactly. Like you wouldn't be surprised. Like it's not necessarily like 100 percent true. Like there's like we don't know if that's exactly true, but like if it was, you would 100 percent believe it. Exactly. And, like, not only uh, that, but, like, there's been the stories of Mike Gillis, who was the Vancouver GM, who are, like, they, well, again, like, they, it all goes back to that game, too, where they, I think they won in overtime, and they were, all they were was just two two wins away from the cup, and then, like, Mike Gillis was, like, at a restaurant or something, and they popped the champagne, and, like, basically, like, as if they already won the cup already, like, acting as if they didn't. It's it's that it's that again. You let you want to see the confidence, but it's that that's that Kobe Bryant quote. It's like, are you are you happy? It's like, no, job's not finished. Like, job's not done. The job's not finished, and it, that's so true. Like, again, like be confident in yourself that you're a good athlete and that you're gonna win. But at the same time, go out there, back it up. Because I remember, I think it was Game Three, Boston. Like the Canucks could have took it, easily took a stranglehold on that series. I think Aaron Rome like took out Nathan Horton, and then every. It just went, just went fucking sideways for the Canucks, and then ooh, just a just a rough loss, and that really ever since then that 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 cycle final, and that was a really good Canucks team. Like they just, they've never gone back together. They've only won one playoff round, I think, it, it, excluding like the the wild card series in the bubble. <laughs> like they beat the Blues, which I mean, good for them. Like beating the Blues, I I, I respect them for doing that. But like other than that, they've just been they've been stuck in mediocrity and. It would it would have helped ease the pain if they won the cup that year, but like just yeah, I I, I thought that was interesting to me, just kind of to to see that because the Bruins have been such a such a good team for a long time, and mm-hmm. I remember when the when the Blackhawks played the Bruins in the Cup final, like the Bruins out of the three teams they faced, like Tampa and Philadelphia, like the the Bruins probably to me were the best team they faced in the final, and when they were down. 2-1 in that series in 2013 like I was I was pretty nervous like if they if they if they lost that game four like that I think we don't appreciate how big of a goal that's that Brent Seabrook overtime goal was in game four like that was huge if they if they don't win that game they don't win the cup that year Dude, they might the win thing is, home, but 
No. I was going to say, the thing is, the Hawks have, dare I say, been very lucky when they won their Cups. Because, mm. like, besides, like, 2015, if Bishop and Johnson are hurt, they don't win that Cup. Yeah. I really no. don't think they win against Tampa in 2015. Fuck, Andre Vasilevsky almost stole game four as a 20-year-old no, against no. us. Yeah. Like, and that's when you knew that kid was going to be a beast. He came in, no practice, no anything, game four. Dude, he like, was, like, 20, I think. He was. He was 20 when he almost stole that game. And if he probably played the whole series, they probably win. Like, I just, I think that was the way that team was playing. Boston, like you said, they got, they, they, that was a battle in game four. Like, just back and forth. They, like, they had that five on three. underrated cup final. Like, game one was a really good game, too. Like, when it went almost to the fourth overtime. Oh, I remember staying up for that game. I missed that. Game three was just a shitter for the Hawks' perspective, but it was really defensive. Yeah. Game five was basically like that, but for the Hawks at home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just great series, honestly. And then game six, everyone knows what happens in game six. So. Oh, yeah. We don't even have to go any further. But, yeah, mm-hmm. like Tampa Bay, like I was, I was like super confident they're going to beat Tampa Bay. Like even when they went down to him, like they still got this, even though it was maybe a little bit closer than – what we expected it was gonna be 2010. Like when we watched the cup, well, when I watched the cup, I was nine years old. Like I didn't really understand. Like understand. Like I was just, I was just watching it for fun. Like you don't care if they're up or down. Like you're just whatever. But like 20, like one once it got to 2013, and they were down two on that series. I'm like, ooh, like like Tukarask was the goalie, and like they had Char on the blue. Like it really didn't even matter who else was on the defense. Like <laughs> they had Zidane Char. Like. And then you just look at the forward core, like the first line. I think they had like Marshawn, Bergeron, and whoever the hell. It was like Sagan or Yager. And then they had that like Lucic, Krejci, and Horn, like Sekla. Like, they were really good. And I'm still so- sometimes surprised they beat them because like that team was a wagon. And they really, and like we saw how they dismantled the Penguins and like how they, they were actually able to score on Tukarask. It was crazy to me. So, but not like the Blackhawks were a, a bad team. They were a pretty damn good team that year as well. So, Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's all I really have to talk about. The last thing we can get into is the Twitter questions. We got a few Twitter questions that I just have to pull up right now, and we can wrap this up. So this is from, from Tate, our good pal Tate. If the Hawks get the number three pick, are you taking Matt V. Mitchkoff or Leo Carlson? Mitchkoff, it's not even a question. Yeah. And honestly, if they're at that position, three might be the best spot they should be in. If they're not going to get one, be three. Because I'd rather them not have a choice at two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, take who's left. And yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I just think you, you – if Mitch Goff's there, you take him. Like I, I don't care if Leo Carlson's over point a game in the SHL as a seventeen year old, which is extremely impressive. Don't get me wrong. It's just um yeah, Mitch Goff is Mitch Goff just does goofy shit with the pocket and that could be your Patrick Kane. I feel right? I feel with like Mitch Goff, like if they do take him, you know Kyle Davidson like is long really game. The, like they're really going for the long game. And we kind of knew that with some of their picks already, like Renzel and whatnot. Yeah. I feel it, like, but, like, if you do see them go, like, I think at this point, like, if they do go number two and they go Fanchley over Mitch Goff, I'm not going to be like, oh, that's a bit, like, a bit of a, oh, like, a, like, they shouldn't have done that. But, like, I feel if, if they do go Leo Carlson over Matt Faye, Mitch Goff, if they are in that position, I feel like that's a, that's a sign where maybe, like, okay, maybe they want to move things on a little more quicker. But, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, 
Next question. Why did this is from Connor, aka Boomer? Why why did Degrom go to Texas if he wants to win? Uh, well, he got money a talks. Get ton of money. Well, not only did the Rangers like sign Degrom this year, they signed Corey Seager the other offseason. They gave him a shit ton of money, and then they gave like Marcus Semyon a bunch of money. Like they're they're trying to again, like what well, this goes back to what we we're talking into the beginning of the, uh, the the podcast. It's like it's ridiculous the amount of money all these these baseball teams shell out. <laughs> like the the Mets couldn't sign Degrom. Oh no problem. We'll just get Verlander. We'll get Nemo. We'll get like pretty much everyone on the market for funny. <laughs> Oh, it, it's so crazy. And there's still, like, a lot of off-season to go. Like, the winter meetings just happened. There was, like, that one day where I think Trey Turner signed and then, like, Bogart signed right out. Like, it's just a bunch of dominoes. Like, we're starting to see things diminish. Like, again, like, the last probably high-end pitcher on the market is, like, Carlos Rodon. But then there's, like, kind of that second tier of, of starting pitching. So, if you're a team that's looking for a elite pitcher, that's the guy to look for. And But I think other than that, you're going to – probably be looking at trades but yeah um this is from from patrick and it's not really a question he's just just like would it be bad to say if we got rid of scott boris who i had to like look up and apparently he's like he's like baseball's like pat brisson he has all the big names and like all the mm-hmm. big contracts and like billions of dollars have been signed it's it's pretty crazy but yeah that's that's it for the twitter questions do you guys have Anything else to add, or we can wrap this up? Uh, Jason Robertson's on a fucking heater. That's yeah. I just wanted to point that out again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's like he might, actually, he might he's on some hard. silly pacing right now. Yeah, and then you know Connor McDavid's just gonna win every. He's literally gonna clean sweep the awards at this rate. Like Rocket, yeah, everything. Seeing what that guy can do. Rocket, Lindsay, Art Ross, Hart. What else? What else am I missing? He's gonna get the Messier Trophy for leadership. Fuck it. <laughs> um, have it. Oh God, just get. Let I want that like picture of him with like seven trophies in June, like yeah. when Price had all of them. Yeah, like, you got it. I Hopefully, gotta see like, it. A Stanley Cup to his name and a con. Yeah, and a con Just get it all. Get it all. Yeah, and they're good. They're well, both McDavid and Drysdale are good enough where they could just. Well, they pretty much did that last year. They just happened to run into the. The wagon avalanche. The Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. But, like, how how long have we been staying with the Oilers? Just get decent goaltending, which there are at the moment with Stuart Skinner. That's so funny. I mean, not only in Edmonton, but in Calgary, like, both the their starting goalies are, like, what were supposed to be their backups, and their goalies that they signed free agency are just shit in the bed right now. <laughs> right. It's just, like, the duality of goaltending in the NHL. It's really what it is. And also, it just proves that, like, never extend your goalies. No. Unless they're like good, and that's why and I was, then, that's yeah. why I was so thankful for Crawford, even though he was never like consistent. That's my guy, like consistent, like nine twenty goalie, nine seventeen, like just yeah. above the league average, which is what you want. Yeah, and he shined in the playoffs and won two Stanley Cups, and I still see this. Have have yeah, and Patrick Kane himself even said that. So yeah, I don't know. Just yeah, just looking at the West, like it's, it's so wide open, like. Colorado is ravaged with injuries right now. They're 14 10 2. Winnipeg, I, I still don't know about. Like, Connor Hellbuck's very good. They're very top heavy, but I just don't know. Dallas, I'm looking at, I think Dallas is legit, though. Like, Dallas is legit. Yeah. St. Louis stinks. 
Um, yeah, we love to see it, but not, not like bad to enough to the point where they're gonna. And I don't think Minnesota looks too bad pretty. right now. They're starting to figure it out. Yeah. Like Capri's off on a heater. Like Kalen Addison's been a really nice story this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got you know Boldy's actually still doing like that ridiculous pace that he was on last year. Like it's not the fluke, kind of like Lindell. Lindell was a little bit of a fluke. It looks like he's kind of regressed a little this year, but Boldy's still on a tear. So. It's just good, good stuff to see. And also, it looks like Flowers doing his thing again. Yeah, <laughs> gotta love it. Uh, Vegas. I don't know if they're a legit cup contender, but they're definitely gonna make the playoffs. And I don't think they're gonna be a an easy team to face. The LA Kings. Ooh, I I really like their forwards and their defense, but their goaltending is. They really put crazy. Peterson on waivers. Like, yeah, poor. Because it was that nine to eight. <laughs> Seattle game, and I don't know if he played the whole game. Like, he did it. He didn't play the whole game. I'm pretty sure Quick got in at one point. Like, uh, he did. Okay, well, yeah, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like he's doing good down there. So. <laughs> yeah, just get him some confidence, like Byfield. Like, just yeah, Byfield's like has like something like eight goals in his last seven games. Like, gotta be patient with some. Just some give him confidence, ball. dude. Like, look at what's going on in the Rangers. Like, they finally put Lafreniere and Kako on the top line, and oh, magically they start scoring. It's crazy wow. how that works. When you give them more than twelve minutes, they actually do well. Why? When you put them with like not fucking Filipino, they're or great. Brian what? Or Morkley Goodrow. Yeah. Listen, I think everybody knows how much I fucking love Cal Peterson, but I do think setting him down is the right move. Just. To- Get the confidence back because he just straight up not had a good year. Hundred percent. Because we all know what confidence can do to a goalie. Like it just yeah. changes everything. And once you, it's magical when making a couple saves will do. Like, <laughs> uh, I just hope he can turn it around. Cause... Well, that's, that's like sports in general. It's like all I need is one goal, and then the rest will come. And all I need to make is one save, and then the rest will come. You know, it is about confidence, definitely. And like Cal Peterson, like it's not like he's been a bad goalie's like career. Like you look, you look at his like save percentage. It was like nine twenty, then nine fifteen, then like nine oh five, and it just like dipped down to like eight eighty this year. Like he's he's clearly got the talent there, like to be at least the league average goalie, which is really what all you can hope for at this point in time, especially for a team like LA and just all the the scoring that's going on in the NHL. Yeah, I agree. And how about gotta hope, yeah. gotta hope it gets back to him. Just hope yeah. it gets back to him. It's like that's all I hope. Also, our cracking are doing pretty well. Hey, they're winning again tonight. Yeah, they were on like a seven game. Oh, win they're being Florida, the and they're not yeah. being bad teams. Like they're getting, they're they're hanging in there. Oh yeah, they like Martin Jones has given them saves, which is awesome. grubauer has been very good. He had a great game against Washington. They just couldn't pull up. They couldn't get the goals. Yeah. Um, they're a fun watch right now, man, and like. You know, they got right some confidence. He's going to go play at the World Juniors, get more confidence, and probably come back and play. Uh, Burakovsky's been a great signing for them. I mean, when, or uh, not Winberg, uh, Bjorkstrand's been a little slow, but like they're getting depth scoring from everyone at this point. Like, I saw Evolving Wild throw in Jared McCann as one of his hard finalists, which I thought was hilarious. Of course. But he is playing extremely well. So, I mean, it's fair enough like Yanni Gord's playing very well Jaden Schwartz is playing well Everly's still Everly like they just what we thought was going to happen last year is happening Mario. it's like they, they got a bunch of guys who can just put goals in the back of the net like they're not going to do it every night but they have enough guys to where like someone's going to be the hero every night and well, apparently Martin Jones that's found his old form as well <laughs> dude it's it's good to see too because he hasn't been himself since like 2018 oh, I want to say it's been a while yeah 
Like I would love to see an Edmonton Seattle first round. Oh that yeah, would that would just be lightning. Mm-hmm. Oof. And we ain't talking Tampa Bay. Anyways, I think that's that's about it. So uh, I don't really have anything else to add. If you are a listener to the show, click the smash that like, but click the subscribe button and smash the like button and also turn on the notifications so you don't miss any of our new podcasts. And if you're listening to this via audio, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a five-star rating, leave us a good review, and yeah, and like follow us and all the things so you don't miss the latest episodes. So yeah, thank you all for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Peace out, y'all.